Sandra Bernhard, Sirius XM radio host of Sandyland, actress, writer, singer, performer, and activist of all note. I'm not the girl next door. I'm never going to be the girl next door. So I've just stayed with who I am and, you know, learned how to, like, uh, capitalize on that. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Sandra Bernhardt is a multifaceted artist, ranging from actress to comedian, singer, performer, and author. The host of her own serious XM radio show, Sandyland, Sandra made a name for herself with her biting humor and social commentary. She discusses how she continues to transform her career and how she's maintained her longevity as a woman tougher than the industry she's up against. So, Sandra, you lived on a kibbutz when you were younger. What did you learn from that experience? You know, it was one of the best experiences of my life because it was all about getting up every day and going to do your job. And, and you just didn't have a choice. You either, you either got up and worked at what they asked you to do, whether it was out in the fields, whether it was cleaning up you know, the kitchen, working with chickens, picking grapefruits or oranges out in the, in the orchards, or you had to leave. You know, it was, it was a, a communal experience and everybody had to contribute. And it also just gave me a sense of discipline and understanding that there is joy in just the action of working. What role, if any, does faith play in your life now? Well, I wouldn't call I, – I really have an, 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 an aversion to the word faith unless it's somebody's name. Faith to me sounds like somebody who's like freaked out and like can't stand on their own two feet and they're falling back on things. I have a sense of you know um, balance and, and inner peace and, and understanding of how the world works and that you've got to be in it and you've got to be committed to it. And from that comes, you know, your spiritual balance. You know, you've got to reach out. You've got to be honest. You've got to be truthful and you've got to help people where you can in the way you can. And that to me is where I get my, my spirituality. And you also have to back away. You have to spend time regenerating and, and you know, be, being meditative, reading, keeping yourself educated and connected to what's really going on in the world and spending time with people that enrich you, your family, your friends, people you love and meeting new people and, um, you know, cooking, eating great food, taking care of yourself, going to the gym. I mean, it, these are all taking care of my dog, George. These are all things that come together that, you know, yeah, I go, I go to Shabbat. I go to my, my, my uh, shul. But I go there because it's a place to be meditative and to kind of recharge. When you started out, you supported yourself in part by working as a manicurist. What did that job teach you? Well, it was great because when I moved to L.A., I was, I was 19, and I didn't want to be a waitress because I didn't want to stand on my feet all day long. And I wanted something that I could kind of draw on. I didn't, I didn't think at the time I even knew that's what I wanted from it, but subliminally I did. So I went to beauty school. I went to the Charles Ross School of Beauty. Uh, which cost my dad $365. That was my higher education. He got off easy. All my years of manicuring were just, not only were they fun, but they, were, they, they gave me the skills to learn to deal with people. Because every kid, especially now more than ever, you're on social media, you know, you're kind of detached in a certain way. You've got to learn how to deal with people one-on-one -on -one in a professional setting and how to like listen, sit back, Take, take direction, you know, be self-sufficient, which I was. You know, I, I mean, I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was, you know, most of the time I was making up to $300 a week. They paid me cash under the table. My, my rent back in the day was $165 a month. 
I mean, this was in the 70s, you know, and I think, why haven't wages kept up with the times we're living in? Because why at 19 was I able to sustain myself and be totally independent and now kids can't do it anymore? Someone told you early on that you'd never make it unless you got a nose job. What did you say back to that person? Well, they didn't say it to me directly. It was supposedly it came from Joan Rivers, who knew somebody who was a friend of my friend. And that girl better get a nose job or she's not going to make it. And I was like, well, I'm the next generation, you know. Joan Rivers came from, you know, that particular time when, you know, being Jewish and being, you know, you know having extreme looks was not as acceptable Although, I don't know, there's a lot of people who kind of played on that. And I thought, I don't know, I'm happy the way I look. I'm not the girl next door. I'm never going to be the girl next door. So I've just stayed with who I am and, you know, learned how to, like, uh, capitalize on that. What advice would you give to other women who are trying to determine what voices to listen to and which ones to tune out? Well, I mean, listen, we all have our moments. I even have it today when people, you know, um, kind of challenge me or, or kind of undermine me in a way. And you've got to like, you got to be strong. You've got to know that if you are on a certain path and you have a point of view, you've got to stay with it and be strong about it. But again, if you're not reading, if you're not educating yourself, if you're not connected to the outlet that, that informs you, then sometimes, you know, you can end up shooting yourself in the foot. So I think it's a combination of having confidence and knowing who you are and also being open to dialogue with smart people. Has it ever hurt you to stick by your beliefs? Well, it depends what you mean by hurt. I mean, I mean if I haven't done gotten certain roles or maybe, you know, become, you know, a huge talk show host or something, I, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think it's even the, what I believe. It's just I don't I don't like modeling things and I don't like I don't like pandering to people, which is why I love doing my show Sandyland because People have kind of come to me, and I haven't I haven't been hoisted on people, and I don't force my ideas on anyone. It just sort of has happened naturally, and you know that's been really rewarding because I like to be an authentic voice and 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 somebody who's honest about who they are, and that's that either connects with certain people or it doesn't. Some female comments are still self depreciating, and you said early on you vowed not to do that. How come? Well, I think self-deprecation is is just contradictory to to being a confident person and having a, a totally enjoyable life. Why? I mean, why should women have to put themselves down? You know, I mean, what's what's in it for them? And ultimately, if you're trying to you know appease men, if you're trying to appease other women, you, you'll ne- now more than ever you're never going to have any luck with that. And I think there's there's a certain kind of humbleness and confidence that works together hand in hand to make you an interesting and dynamic person. How do you figure out that balance, having that right humbleness versus being? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a long, hard slog. I don't think that, I don't think anything comes easy. I don't think getting to know yourself is an easy process. And it happens through relationships. And in this business, it happens through triumphs and, and some, some failures. And just getting to see how everybody's kind of whirling around you. There's there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of people weighing in. And again, you have to stop at the end of the day and be with yourself and quiet your mind and try to take in the whole landscape of what's going on with yourself and, and your work and, your, and, and the world we're living in. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. 
And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Spend time with Alexa? Make tech news briefing part of your flash briefing on the Amazon Echo. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. Do you think there's a different standard for female comics in terms of what they can say versus what men can say? I don't think so anymore. I think certainly when I started out, that was the case. And and certainly, you know, Phyllis Diller and, and Joan Rivers' generation, even more so. But I think now the women are... <laughs> I don't see anybody having any problem saying whatever, the, whether it's, you know, sexual references or whatever the, the, the kind of the meme of the moment is. I don't think women are having any problem expressing themselves or taking care of themselves through in, in, the, in the comedy world at all. What about the penalty they pay if they say something that went a little too far? Well, I think I think that goes across the board now. I mean, Bill Maher said something that, you know, used a word that we all used to say in comedy, which now is is only thought of as derogatory. But, you know, when I was working with Paul Mooney, who was a black comic and was my, my godfather in this business, we would throw words around because I was with him and that was just part of the vernacular. And it had a different sort of approach. I mean, when I worked with Richard Pryor, when I worked with Paul Mooney, when I was around that world, words were, were bandied around because they were funny and they had a context but now, you, because of political correctness and people who have abused it, you can no longer mine it for humor. You've refused to classify your sexual orientation, and you've gotten some pushback on that. Have people become more accepting over the years? Oh, I don't think it's an issue anymore. I think I was kind of groundbreaking in, in the sense that I was just sort of comfortable in my skin. And early on, when I first went to L.A., I was dating men. I was dating women. Um, I've been with my partner. I hate that word, but just so people aren't <laughs> my partner in my law firm. <laughs> um, Sarah and I've been together for almost nineteen years, raising my da- our daughter Sicily, who's amazing. But even then, it's not like it's not like I'm you know I'm one way, and that's the only way I feel. I, I mean, I still see see men and go, oh, and I know she does too. Um, that I find appealing, and you know, I mean, I think you have to discipline yourself. You can't, you just can't. It's like a buffet; you can't eat everything on the buffet. So, at a certain point, you decide what you, what you're going to limit your diet to. You've been an advocate for LGBT youth. What's the most important message you hope they hear from you? Well, I think the most important message is to to also not just be completely immersed and identify yourself by by your sexuality. I think that you've got to be a diverse person. You've got to be interesting. You've got to be you've got to be um, eclectic and you've got to be engaged and smart. I think if you lead with your mind, you know, everything else comes along with it. I mean, look at this young woman, Emma Gonzalez, who's become a, a force of nature. I mean, that's part of her bag of tricks. She is bisexual or, or gay, whatever she, however she defines herself. But she has taken the ball and run with, with the gun control issues from, from her experience and trauma at, at, down in Parkland. And I'm just in awe of her. I mean, it's part of her identity, but it isn't her identity. How do you get up on stage when you're feeling sick or having an off night? <laughs> well, the great thing about being authentic and in the moment, you can take whatever you're going through and you can infuse your work with it. So I'll, every night that I get up and perform, and sometimes when I do two, even two shows a night, they're completely different because, you know, sometimes you the first show is your, your nerves are sort of high and then the second show you've calmed down. 
So even though you might be doing the same piece, it's through a different filter. And if you really immerse yourself in the moment and where you're at physically and emotionally, your work is always going to be honest and it's always going to be interesting. Do you ever worry about going too far? And if so, do you run your jokes by, say, your publicist or your lawyer? James, do I run my jokes by you? I mean, I come up with jokes with James. Well, I do pieces. You know, I don't really tell jokes per se, you know, and my pieces are very layered and they usually have a song with them. So it's more like doing a monologue. So it's really not like I'm not interested in like stirring the pot. I'm not interested in poking at people. I'm interested in uplifting them and exposing them to different ways of thinking. And I'm also very theatrical in my presentation. So it's not just up there trying to get laughs. It's not, That's never been the motivation for me. So I think it's more important to engage people and have them go along on the ride as if they were sitting through, you know, a play or a musical. You said that there are so few women who aren't completely threatened or confused by other women's success. How come? I mean, maybe I said it and, 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 I, and I meant something else. I don't, I don't think I don't think I feel that way. I think that I think that some women who maybe aren't motivated but wish they had more attention might look at a, another woman who's worked really hard and go, oh, I wish I had that. But I think in general, people are inspired by people who put themselves on the line and who are successful. And that goes across the board. I think there are men who are huge fans of mine and women and and vice versa. I think we're living in a very fast-moving, eclectic culture despite some of the the pitfalls that we're going through right now and i think people are they're really they're really you know getting a, getting on the ride and going with it i don't i don't know i don't i'm not sure what i meant by that but i i have to retract that statement if i did say it madonna was a good friend for years but not so much anymore is it <laughs> difficult for two women to be friends who are both famous and successful mm, no no when we were friends we had a really fun time they were different times. They were pre, you know, social media. So there was less focus. And we kind of controlled the message, which made it much more compelling. I think it's harder for two famous people to be friends now because it seems contrived. But I have a lot of very successful friends. But if you decide you want to be friends and you don't want to use it as a, as an outlet to push your, you know, fame, then you have friends. And that's, that's just how it is. I heard women comics face a large pay gap as they do in many other industries. Has that been your experience? I suppose so, but I'm just not one to stop and really, you know, uh, fixate on that. I make my money. I do my thing with my money. I'm not really driven by money. And so it's never really mattered to me all that much. I mean, yeah, there's been times when I go, hey, I, I think I deserve more for this gig. But in general, I feel pretty good about, you know, the money I've made over the years. And I'm, I'm not crying the blues. You're a big believer in living below your means. How uh-huh. so? Well, I think that you can get yourself in trouble really quickly, especially in this business. You know, money looks like it's a lot until you go out and start spending it on, on luxury items. And I've also been very lucky because a lot of fashion designers and people in the business have, you know, loaned me clothes or designed for me because, I mean, it's it's good for them and it's great for me. So, and day to day, I just try to like, you know, look sharp and, and be comfortable and make things last. I don't, I don't, I think an excess of things is, is a burden. So I don't like to have too much stuff and I don't like to keep buying things. And unless I know, especially now that I'm really going to wear them and really enjoy them. And I just think in terms of like where you live and how you live, you can have a fabulous life but not be spending money on things that people look at and covet. I'm not somebody who covets other people's things. 
Is there a lot of pressure, though, to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak? No, not for me personally. I think that my work precedes what I'm advertising, you know? I mean, I think that people look to me for my honesty, for my truth, and of course they love my fashion sense, but I don't think people are looking and thinking, oh, Sandra looks like, you know, a bum today. I mean, doing radio is great because you can look cute, but you don't have to, like, have your hair and makeup done. But I just try to keep it, you know, I try to keep it all very under the radar, and I don't like to rub people's noses in having money and because, you know, 80% of the country is struggling and you want people to enjoy your work and not feel uncomfortable with you. Many celebrities don't sign their own checks, but I read that you do. Oh, God, yes. Well, I mean, I have a business manager because I don't trust anybody. Why, Why? Why would I put my trust in a business manager? I mean, you got to be you got to be in control of your your finances and your life. And you got and you got to stay engaged in it and you've got to be responsible for your life throughout your entire life. You can't expect somebody just to do it for you and then one day one day you wake up and your money's all gone. Have you always felt that way? Yeah, I've always felt that way. I don't want people to I mean, yeah, we I invest through different people, but I know where the money is. I get my statements. I I I have a stockbroker. I talk to him. He's, you know, somebody I, I trust. And I try to keep my money, you know, invested in a lot in, in diverse th- ideas. And so far it's paid off. But, you know, there's always a couple of things that don't pan out, as we know. When when you take a little – when you invest in a little riskier um, situation, sometimes they, they don't pan out. What's one investment you had wished had panned out but didn't do so? Oh, there was some – there was a couple of things out in, out in Vegas a few years ago. And actually right now I'm sort of in the middle of, like, trying to um, resolve some – some issues of some investments that weren't tended to by somebody I trusted. So hopefully they, they have a lawyer on it. And so hopefully those properties are being sold off and I'll get my money back. <laughs> how do you figure out how to trust? Mm, well, a little bit by trial and error. I mean, I've been with somebody for a long time and, and you know, there's been a couple of moments, not not because not because I didn't trust them or they, they let me down, but no matter how insightful a, a, an investment person is, they, they sometimes they make missteps like everybody. What's, so you've got to just, you know, kind of try to nip it in the bud. What's your favorite investment that you have? The stock market's been pretty good, you know, the past couple of years. And, and my stock broker is somebody who worked with my mom for many years and who I trust implicitly. And I think he has a good approach to investment. And we talk a lot about it. And I don't know, he always seems to keep it growing no matter, the, you know, the, the dips and, the, and the, the ups and the downs. He seems to have a grasp on, on how to keep it balanced out. What do you think of the Roseanne phenomenon now? I think it's amazing. I think that it's not totally surprising considering the climate of the country. And I think it just hits a sweet spot of where we're at politically. And um, people are, are ready for a familiar face. And Roseanne is that person. You appear in an upcoming episode. What was it like to be back? I was fantastic. You know, I mean, I've been in touch with Roseanne and Laurie Metcalf and some of the other cast members for years. So it's not like we, I hadn't seen them. But Going on to the set was really fun, and um, everybody seemed much calmer than they did, you know, 20 years ago. So that's kind of nice to see for everybody as well. What's the key to a long career in show business? Well, for somebody like me, because I'm creative and I write and and I, 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 you know, keep challenging myself, I think that's really the key is to pushing yourself into new horizons as as a performer and an artist and taking chances and not getting stagnant. And keeping your life interesting, you know, evolving, 
meeting new people, opening yourself up to great new experiences and not becoming jaded. That is, that's always been my, my, my inner mantra that I never, ever wanted to be a jaded person in my life. And I've managed to attain that and make new friends and, and, and keep the old. What's your advice for performers who face ebbs and flows in income? Live below your means. When you make a chunk of change, invest it. Don't go buy something that you, you, you know, unless you're on a five-year series where your, your income is building and you know you can maintain a, a new house. Stay in the house you had or flip a house and, you know, do it that way. But find creative ways of, of investing your money and upgrading your life. But don't get in over your head. Time now for your secrets. I'm Sandra Bernhard, host of Sirius XM Sandyland. My money my secret is keep it all in cash. Stashes of cash. I think it's important to have cash on hand. Be sure to check back every week for future episodes featuring author Barbara Taylor Bradford and Jimmy Chu founder Tamara Mellon. Hear from women industry leaders about their road to a successful career and their secrets to financial empowerment. Find us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite audio provider and tune in every week for all new episodes of the Wall Street Journal's Secrets of Wealthy Women podcast. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter. Use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.